Welcome to African American Conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement. I'm your host, Marie Strotter. Please go to anchor.fm forward slash AACONS or our Substack at ACONS, A-A-C-O-N-S dot Substack dot com. You can also find us at brightnews.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are. Our guest today is Eric July. Eric has over a half a million followers on YouTube. He is the lead vocalist for the metal rap group Backwards and a contributor to The Blaze. He's also the founder of Ripperverse Publishing and is the writer of Isom. Let's take a look at his work. So cool. So deep in the bowels of the Ripperverse studios, we have with us Eric July. Hey, 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 how you doing? Wow, that is such a cool setup. Thank you. you. Appreciate you so much. Now, at the latest count, the Ripperverse has raised an astonishing $3.7 million through crowdfunding and has had over 42,000 customers. Did you imagine that you would see such success when you began this enterprise? No. Um, I, I figured that we would have some level of success, to be completely honest, just in how we kind of presented uh, everything. And, you know, I had this established sort of um, uh, customer base from other ventures and things that I've been a part of, but there was no way that I thought that it would see the level of success that, that it saw, you know, 3.7 million, um, is, is something that I I thought about of of many different ways. And I did not come up with that, with that figure, certainly initially, Um, I'm blessed to certainly be in this position, but I think what this is and the success it really speaks to, yes, the demand, uh, of uh, this type of material, ter- certainly in yes. comics, but also uh, the, the presentation for what it is that in, in the way that we did it, you know, uh, for us, it was all about launching an actual like pre-order campaign. I made sure I, I spent like 200,000 of my own money to make sure that we had the books ready. I paid my artists. I did all that before we ever asked a dime, um, you know, from people. So while we gave people the the like if you look at like a Kickstarter or you look at let's say an Indiegogo and you see kind of that visual and seeing the count um, of like a crowdfund, let's say website. I said, I'll take that vision, but I won't actually crowdfund. I'll pre I do use it as a pre-order campaign so people can just see the numbers go up and people love to love to see that. So it's a testament to not necessarily myself. It's, it's more of uh, this audience, my team, my staff. Uh, and and really everybody that we made something happen. This has certainly been an unprecedented event, unprecedented event, uh, certainly in comic books uh, today. Wow, we're getting a little fangirly here because, like ah. I said, we. I, I, I'm going to go off script here a little bit. Um, the three of us that founded Acons, my husband. DK and I uh, also have a thread with some other friends where we chat about comic books because my husband's been a collector since before I knew him and we'll have been married 33 years 
the end of this month. Um, and DK. Uh, and so we've been uh, collecting comics for forever. My husband has a collectibles business. And so you have been uh, on our threads for a while. We've been talking about your work for quite some time in our comic book chat. So awesome. it's been awesome to have you here. Uh, so what can you tell those who've not yet read Isom number one about Texas rancher Avery Silman, known also as Isom? Well, Isom, with the character itself, he's at a like a, a, a special spot in his uh, in his life where he had previously been an actual hero fighting as Isom. But where the story picks up, he had actually retired prior, prior to. So he had retired. Um, he was just living on his own ranch, doing his own thing. And this story is centered around him kind of um, uh, making his way back into this big city of Flores Park and and finding his way as a, as a former kind of hero. Is he going to get back in it and, and all of that? So his sister uh, has a family friend. Actually, they all share the same family friend that has gone sort of missing. And the mother of said family friend has uh, asked of the whereabouts because there's this old guy that uh, he used to kick it with Avery. That is who had been last seen with her. So he's trying to figure out, or he's sent to the city to go, you know, ask him some questions. And that's when it turns into sort of the, the longest day of Avery's life. So it's this cool kind of part that we're at. Of course, people have to, you know, we're launching, we, we had the task of launching, not just I the character itself. It's his book. Yes. But, you know, this is a, going to be an extended universe that hopefully will go on as long as I'm alive and the customers certainly are, are willing. So we had other characters that we had to introduce. So we kind of had to uh, be very strategic with how this book lined up in the story because it wasn't just launching ISOM. It's launching the entire universe. So I had to get you other characters to get uh, intrigued by. But if you if you are into this is why I suit, for example, is the way that it is. It has this kind of simplified look because I'm trying to give material to people that that are can get into it at the ground level, get enthusiastic about it, while also on the other hand, um, if you are a comic book person, you'll see it and it has some level of familiarity taking you back kind of to the essence of what you think comic book characters and comic books are about. Where does the term Ripa originate? That's a funny story. So I didn't come up with it myself, uh, believe it or not. I was, I was a person that used to, uh, you know, I'm a musician, obviously. And I was in, I had to be in middle school when this happened. And I, we, that was back, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas. So, you know, it's back when people banging on lunch tables, like rapping, <laughs> doing stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, I would freestyle rap and do stuff like that. And a friend of my, by the name of Chad at the time uh, had called me that because of the, 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 the way in my ability kind of to freestyle. Um, and, and it just sprung from all that, you know, so I can't even credit myself with giving myself kind of that name. It was more of him saying it, Hey, he's ripping. And then he called and we, he would call me rip up because of that. And it just caught on certainly with everybody else. So it's one of those things I kind of just fell into. Now, some compare uh, the Ripperverse to someone opening a burger joint after McDonald's deciding to go vegan. To what degree is the success of ISOM? Uh, is it a matter of reaching the a clientele no longer being served by Marvel or DC? 
I think that's certainly part of it. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with how definitely the big two, but yes. the comic industry in general just operates. Yes. There's bad content all around and enough yes. to go around for everybody where, yes, there's the, the over, overtly kind of leftism that's that's kind of present in these days where these characters are being used as kind of vehicles um, for, for like the social and political views of its writers. And yeah. while that's a thing, it's also other issues of like continuity issues, canon, uh, breaking sort of issues. Yes. They can't get out of themselves, get out of the way of themselves with having all these ridiculous events. So it, it's, 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 yeah, to your point, it, it absolutely is serving people that have been gone on served for a while now with comics but it, it, it's a content problem really all around. It's not even just with the quote unquote wokeness stuff. It's it's yeah. it's a, a fundamental issue with how these comics are being presented. Um, people can't keep up really with their own characters. It's discombobulated. It's, it's convoluted. It's all kinds of issues. And I said, you know what? I also as a as a customer, former customer of these companies, I know what works. You know what I mean? And and I know what I would like. Uh, so I looked at it like, well. Let's not do what the other guys are doing and let's just yeah. give people some good material that they can kind of get get lost in and have a little fun. And uh, people are enthusiastic about that alone. That's awesome, because that really is the essence of so many of the discussions that we have in our comic book thread chat is just that it seems like these big companies are getting more and more woke. And it's about having a quota of diverse characters um, and not so much the story aspect yeah. or um, real character development. You know, it's just driven by this kind of woke ideology and a way, a vehicle, if you will, for these writers to be able to express their leftist ideology rather than presenting great storytelling. I mean, you know, uh, when I was a kid, uh, and I won't talk about my love of Harvey comic books, but I grew up on Harvey comic books, uh, you know, but it, Saturday morning cartoons and all of the comics that I read, um, it really was about entertainment. It really was about, um, like you were saying, the continuity of a character, seeing their growth and their development. And now um, there's, like you said, there's just so many streams, you know, how many Supermans are there? How many Batmans are there? How many, is it in canon? Is it outside of canon? All that kind of stuff and keeping track of all that um, is like a full-time job rather than just being able to enjoy uh, a story and being able to sit down and get lost in a universe that's new to you that's uh, so perfectly put because again for me as a youngster that's what it was all about and why I became intrigued with with comics it wasn't just that oh hey this is a character that looks cool he has a bunch of powers but it was also that hey this character you know has their own level of growth they are existing in a universe with other characters that had have their own set of problems and powers and stuff that they're doing and, and the fact that they all exist there you know you can read like a new mutants comic or something like that and it's a hey it's snowing in july you want to know why go read that book like it was stuff like that that i thought was the coolest the, the, the coolest thing where that got lost because to your point, there's several different versions of the same exact character. Um, and those books will be published at like the same time. So you can get like it with Marvel. I remember doing videos on this, like, you know, you could, you could go to 
let's say uh, over a four month, four week period, like a month, right? You could go to the comic book shop and had got like 16 different uh, like comic books that are centered around Spider-Man right alone like in that month like and they were all from different titles right in different versions of this character and that's just it makes it intimidating for people that are new to get in and people that are that are then like reading this stuff almost see it as an insult definitely as they fall so much so back on the whole multiversal element of hey we can reboot the world we can do all this so that comic book you had well that those events no longer matter and it's like well that's kind of messed up uh if you look at it like that so for me those were things that i emphasized with the riververse we put that type of stuff in in our code of uh kind of like ethics where we want people to be able to hold us to the that standard those things are very important to me very important to this company i know it's very important to a lot of other folks so it allows us to have it streamlined so no matter if you've been there from the get-go since the launch of the riververse or maybe you come 10 years after the fact it won't be so just out of whack that you just can't possibly uh, uh get in on and that medium is certainly that happy medium i think is uh what we're going to entertain uh, uh, going into the future that's really brilliant because you know one of the big things for little kids in particular is collecting comic books and to your point you go to a, a comic book shop and there's 16 iterations of spider-man that month alone that kid is broke <laughs> you know, that kid's broke you know so and then if they like other characters or whatever it might be then you know and then like you said you know keeping track of you know oh was it in this book this storyline where this character encountered that thing or is it in this storyline where it was and which one is canon and you know it, it gets gets crazy yeah. so now um you wrote in the introduction to isom quote the state of the american comic book industry has been uh in an unfortunate spot and i wanted to be part of the solution this subculture has given me countless memories stories and has been a bridge to lifelong friends uh, i will not stand idle as bad actors attempt to run it into the ground end quote tell us more about these bad actors and why they are hurting the comic book industry in your opinion yeah, I mean, and that was, you know, I've been a commentator in this space for a very long time. And that was where that kind of quote comes from and that I need to I'm a creative. I think that's what God put me on this earth to do is create. Um, and that's where I'm best suited in this. It was time to, you know, get this going and, and certainly launch this. But these bad actors are people that aren't really interested in the material for, let's say, the reasons I would argue that the vast majority of customers are introduced uh or into it for and what's happened is in the age of be it social media and certainly post you know the 2015 2016 we know what happened then and how these people just just felt like well it's up to them to use comic book characters that they didn't create by the way as a vehicle for their own personal views and social views so it's i think that's the part that a lot of like my detractors lose sight of is that we're talking about characters that have this established sort of stuff and then they will act out of completely out of character. So when like Tim Drake or whatever becomes gay out of nowhere, that doesn't make sense for that character considering like we just saw him uh, shacking up with another character, a female character in, in spoiler and having this sort of loving relationship there. That's illogical. That doesn't make any yeah. sort of sense for something like that to happen. And they gaslight people to act like, well, it's just he's just up and changed. That's not how it works. Or Iceman, for that matter, 
who had been he he'd been more of almost like a playboy uh for for um for Marvel and then out of nowhere he's just turned gay. So it's it's one of those things where you have people that have their own set of individual agendas. Uh sometimes it's just blatant self inserts and they're using these characters to to basically put it out there. It's like okay, it's not enough for them to say it on their own personal twitters or whatever, which they certainly will do that. Yes. It's more of well, I got to take something that you like and recognize and I got to make it about 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 me, you know what I mean? And it's so insulting to to the different customers and when i say they act bad or rather i call them bad actors um is because they're certainly not doing any of this stuff in, in good faith and sometimes it's, it's straight to um uh like in spite of their political enemies right despite their yes. ideological enemies in, in some cases you know the great Ke- I, when i say great kelly sued economic i'm saying that in tongue-in-cheek her little quote where she's like captain america is always a social justice warrior it's like what you know that doesn't that, that, that's not true like that, that that's never that's never been the case no. you, can't, you can't claim that just because well you are exactly that so yeah that's the insulting part of it and they were able to get away with it for a little bit but it became so tiresome as they started giving people promotions uh, that were getting on different books that have already ran other characters into the ground then they go move up and run another character into the ground and it's it's shown how people are turned off by that it's not just with the success of like the riververse it's also seeing how manga and japanese comics have grown in, in the west when they they're not doing anything different from what they've been doing for the last 30 years it's more of well they're filling a void and it just happens to be there in existence when people are being turned off to what they had you know known love and uh, sort of grown up on with american comics that's absolutely on point that is so on point it drives me a little crazy i mean the whole thing with cap and 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 nazism you know uh that just was totally illogical yeah to me i mean if you know anything about his character and how just unashamedly patriotic and american he is and so you know i don't know but to your point you know um I do follow a lot of the actors on Twitter. I won't watch Mark Ruffalo anymore. I'm sorry. I, you, you know, know. I, there, there's there's a few people that I just, I will not. Uh, and, and it's it's kind of like they've merged their success with the characters. And so I like to keep it separate. You know, if you're going to interpret a character, interpret that character's storyline. Absolutely. Don't incorporate your own ideology into this thing. And and that's like to your point where where things have kind of gone off track a lot. <laughs> uh, absolutely, like that's the that's a such such an important thing. I say this like it would be the equivalent if DC hired me to write a Batman story and I turned Batman into an anarcho capitalist because I am right. That doesn't yeah. this is, that doesn't make sense. Um, and because it's not who that character, especially knowing that he works for like Gordon, like none of that makes sense. But that what they're doing is the equivalent of that, where it's like, hey, it's not about the character, it's not about the depiction of the character, it's about you making making it who you want them to be, and often that's reflective of your own personal um views. And it couldn't be anything further from the character. Uh, and in some cases, certainly when we see how they're being wrote in the comic books, but that doesn't matter to them because they're so like narcissistic in a way that it has to be about them and their own personal views, which is why we see a lot of, of inserts. I talked about um, before a certain writer who's not very fond of, of me that works for Marvel, who 
uh, has uh, turned like, you know, it's talked about Vixen, the character Vixen, the black original black character, uh, basically being uh, lesbian or gay when that's not what the character has been. But she happens to be that. Right. So she makes her that uh, same can be said for the this whole new weird Spider-Man that that has that's, I guess, paralyzed. But there's a spider person uh, and but they're also disabled. So they're disabled and they're also gay. Or lesbian Velma or, from Scooby Doo. Uh, <laughs> How like, many of us grew up with Scooby Doo? I mean, it, yeah, exactly. And so that so they make it about them, and it's like, hey, look at look at me. This is this character that you guys like. So I'm gonna make them basically be my vehicle for social views that maybe don't even make sense for that character. And then they try to gaslight you when you say that's not who it is. Like to your earlier point with Cap, like that's not who that who that character is. They like to just pull it out of thin air and say, well, they've always been that that way. So it's this textbook gaslighting. Well, and what's so weird about that, Eric, is that, you know, like it doesn't, it's not even representative, right? I mean, people who are, are gay are probably about what? 3% of the population yeah. at last count. I mean, it may be growing because it's kind of a trendy thing now, but with the whole trans thing, and that's a whole nother conversation, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's maybe 3% and yet it's like 99.9% .9 of like the comic book characters, you know, it's like, what's wrong with being straight? I mean, Sue Reed and, and, and you know, Reed Richards yeah, getting, yeah. I mean, Sue, yeah, them, the getting married, you know, Sue and Reed getting married. I mean, that would never, happen anymore you couldn't it would have to be like you know storm and sue getting married or something yeah. i don't know and so it's like why is it bad to have heterosexual characters why is it wrong that there are white men uh you know or or whatever it is i mean this whole thing with uh uh the change in character from superman yeah the change in actor i mean a, a lot of speculation is, well, is it still going to be, I mean, is it because, you know, he's getting a little older and they want to make a younger Superman or is it that they're going to just change him into like this young black gay something, something, very, something. Very well could be that. I mean, I mean, they, from all accounts, they're still proceeding with Ta-Nehisi Coast's like black Spider-Man. Uh, that there, there has no been no announcement uh, about canceling that it looks like they're still going to produce. So to your point, like with Henry Cavill, like one of the few actors in a role that almost unanimously, even if people had issues with some of the movies that he had been in, people liked him playing that character, right? I don't think too much in anybody that was like, yeah, he can't be Superman or he, he plays a bad Superman. I, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody say that. And he was because he often stays out of the whole political nonsense. He's often liked by people no matter where they're at on the, on the spectrum. So it's a, it's a serious drop ball. I know they're trying to do this whole reboot of the uh, DC's universe, but it's a drop ball and it goes to show that these people don't actually care about the customers. They don't really care right. about the fans. And we talked about the egoism and the narcissism with these sort of characters I, I, and or rather these people that depict them. The same can be said with the directors and the producers. It's like, well, they have to have their own uh, spin on something that already exists. And sometimes, let's say, source material gets in the way. Sometimes the fans get in the way of, of that vision. So, you know, it's the easiest thing to do. It sounds like it's it, well, let me say this. It shouldn't be a rocket science because it's not. But, you know, I'm not trying to with like the Ripperverse 
you know, so you get people, some of my detractors that be like, well, he's not even doing anything new. And I'm like, well, that's kind of the point, right? Like, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel um, here. Maybe with like the business aspect of things that I have problem with the industry, like the distribution and stuff. But as far as the actual content, I'm making original content with the characters, uh, original characters. But, you know, there is a, a, a let's say an identity that often American style comic books have. And I'm not in the interest of trying to make it necessarily about me. It's more of, okay, this is what the customers have already indicated that they are into. So let me just give them what they want as opposed to giving them what I think they should want. And that's the difference with uh, companies like myself and a lot of what's happening in the other, uh, other comic book companies. Now, recently we saw a tweet from a comic book artist who wrote, Quote, has it become industry standard to pay creators ridiculously late for their work? End quote. What sort of fiscal shape is the comic book industry in that they can't pay their employees on time? Okay, so this is the elephant in the room, right? Um, this is something that I've been very passionate about. And unfortunately, uh, so many folks that may not like people like myself, they completely lose sight of us addressing this exact problem. The reality is that a lot of even your favorite comic book creators are broke. They have uh, little to, to no money. They're not getting paid any sort of fair rates, commission rates by way of even the biggest companies. And as because I know exactly which tweet, tweet you're referring to, this is a person that has done work for the biggest comic book publishers be it Marvel, DC, IDW, the major entities, all that. And he's talking about them paying late. That is something that is seem, that does seem to be more of a standard. Now, you could say that, well, hey, it's because of this reason or that reason. At the end of the day, both of them, at least with Marvel and DC, are tied to mega corporate companies. So even if the companies themselves, which probably is the case, they're operating in the red uh, for a lot of their titles, maybe Batman or something is going to make them some money or Spider-Man, uh, is going to make them some money, but it's not coming from the books per se. A lot of it is subsidized out of it, like with merchandise and everything yes. else uh, is really what's subsidizing it. Because even even on average, like comic book sales in terms of units are down in comparison to previous years. Some people will point to like the recent like Comicron review and they'll say, well, comics are booming. Uh, and unfortunately, they're not looking at the data more um accurately because it says that well it's because graphic novels which are being cla which manga is classified as is dominating them and kind of uplifting certainly the industry if you look at it in detail when you look at it by actually actual units sold they're selling uh, uh less now i don't know if that is directly what's tying into the fact that or the reason why these these companies are late what i can say is no person the artists that work for the riververse get paid on time <laughs> right. And they get paid handsomely. Uh, you know, Gabe El Taibu was the colorist for Rip Versa uh, or who was the colorist for ISOM number one. You know, he came out and told everybody, like, he's paying me better than what. And he was doing big Superman titles. He's doing Star Wars, stuff like that for Marvel. He had done all that. And they are saying he's saying that I paid them. I paid him better than what he was getting for those guys. Mm -hmm. and I pay him on time. Like, this is something that I pride myself in because I look at it like none of this makes sense. That you have all of these people who are supposedly so creative that have created some of these characters and they don't have any money. I see the same thing happening with the music industry as well. So, you know, it, that was a problem that the Riververse set out to fix with our own uh, individual economic uh, model. 
So, yeah, they're, they're not paying their artists well, uh, very hand or maybe a handful of them may be getting paid well. And the others, you know, probably aren't getting paid, let's say, on time. You can see, as that man was talking about, five to ten a week. That's out, that's outrageous in terms of completion of, of turning and completed uh, version of, of whatever it is, cover a comic book, whatever it is. And you're not getting paid for five to ten weeks. There's a fundamental issue. But they look at me like a threat which is sad, even though we're correcting, we're part of the part of the industry that's correcting that aspect as well. They would much rather protect the industry that has left them so broke as opposed to actually, let's say either not even, I don't, I'm not even asking for the support. It's more of, well, they knock folks that are trying to create alternatives and they're so protective, it's almost like a battered wife syndrome. They are protecting the industry that has done them so, so, so wrong. Now, given that the industry has assigned the enviable task of making movies featuring Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, the three some three of the arguably greatest comic book characters ever created, excluding Isom, of course, <laughs> why did the D the DCEU fail so miserably? Yeah, they a lot of its content problems. Um, it, it's more of those like hey we're gonna come in and uh they kind of were late in terms of developing in comparison to the marvel uh cinematic universe and they tried to catch up yeah. to the marvel cinematic universe despite starting years later and that was their critical error um as far as i'm concerned and that they didn't take their time to let's say develop it they went immediately into okay here are these characters and now we're gonna have them uh clashing uh, uh and and working with each other and yada yada justice league comes out and and it's like the direction just was really uh, uh nonsensical now yeah i have my problems with some of the actors maybe cast henry cavill not being one of them um but yeah. you know I, flash actor what's his uh, i forget his name uh but the flash actor doesn't really play a good barry allen like actually plays a bad one he's not really more kid flash more like wally west uh than he is barry allen uh so there there are some some uh, casting issues but i think it's overall direction as opposed to why they they failed in the way that they do they did and they also weren't really drawing from source material that was part of the more let's say uh, acceptable versions of these characters uh, mm -hmm. even with what you see like with uh how they brought in a whole um a dark side situation and all that uh mm -hmm. like that was a dropped ball because they're th that's why cyborgs even though he's not known as being part of the justice league is in it because he was in it in the justice league in the new 52 right so that but that a lot of people would argue and i'd argue that that's probably the worst era of dc comics era uh, uh ever like you know that's not really if you're gonna draw from source material that's probably not the not the part <laughs> you influence from but they they did mm -hmm. um so you know that was a dropped ball um by them and um you know if i do i will say this i did agree with the whole okay we need to scrap it and start from scratch but it doesn't look like james gunn knows what what he's doing either so uh i'm gonna be looking up um for that company yeah that's another conversation that we've been having in our thread his name has come up a lot <laughs> yeah now every superhero has an origin story Part of yours involves being a gang member in mm. Dallas in the early 2000s. So how did you go from that world to the world of YouTube and comics and music? 
Yeah, like I was a knucklehead, you know, growing up. I'm, I'm not, I'm, not, I don't shy away from that. I was a, a, a flat out idiot in some, in, in some cases, made my mother's life a lot more, um, had a lot more turmoil than what it deserved to have. Um, but you know, my ticket out of that was really my legs, and um, I was a track and field athlete uh, coming out of um, out of high school, and that was my ticket out. But you know, a big part of my change, and it's sad that it has to be this way, but it's when it starts to impact the people around you, right? Like, uh, and and that's the part of that nonsensical lifestyle that I think doesn't get discussed enough. You could think you're the hardest person in the world, but as you get in these conflicts with other people, you start putting other folks that you love in jeopardy to have absolutely nothing to do with your bad behavior. That's that's a problem, right? So it was an instance where that kind of uh, that kind of happened. But my legs was my ticket out. So, you know, I was a track and field athlete, a very good one. Um, and I made it, um, you know, a point to where, OK, if I'm going to be going to college running track, then I'm getting as far away from here as I possibly can. And so that's where I went to University of Memphis right out of uh, high school. And then I transferred to A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, and that's where I finished my collegiate career in 2013 2014 and you know that was the best thing that i could have done was say i'm getting out i'm gonna use my legs to get out and it introduced me to just a world of different things now i will say the education itself probably was meaningless to be completely fair i mean that's just kind of what college has turned to it's a lot of fluff um but as far as like me meeting other people other cultures interacting with them you know for example, my music career really t took off during that time, you know, definitely with me being like in a metal band and stuff. I obviously couldn't do it South Dallas uh, uh, doing that uh, back then. But, you know, that was so helpful to me in my my individual growth. And I did. I always took advantage of that. You know what I mean? Everything it is that I did turned into something else. So I made sure it was purposeful in my moving. So my legs got me out. My legs, my, my legs got me out of the. Uh, south, out of the Dallas area, which then got me introduced to other people who were part of different subcultures. So I could freely, even though I'd always liked metal music, I could perform it now with other people. And then that turned into me getting an opportunity to play like keyboards for a band, you know what I mean? Which turned into to an opportunity to see my people, see my vocals on display, which then turned into, you know, five being in fire from the gods, which turned into, backwards you know what i mean the band we're in now it's a billboard charting band uh and you know that i leveraged all of that to then you know and as i was building my youtube during that period of time I've been on youtube since 2006 2007 um so i've been doing all of that and, and building my own individual brand uh and i was able to get to where we're at now you know doing start doing the commentary space co commentary stuff uh in the early 2010s like that was that was a big part of it. So I did a, a good job in leveraging different things that I had been doing at a time to get me out of that silly situation that I was in um, before. And I just certainly, certainly took advantage of it. That's such a cool story. Um, my husband also ran track and field and, you know, we listened to a lot of diverse music and I, I think that's weird because I think people look at, me or look at my husband or maybe look at you and they assume that there are certain genres that we yeah. listen to and like you know my husband's really into progressive rock and it's kind of like you know bands from the netherlands or something like that <laughs> and it's just kind of like you know 
people look at you kind of weird because yeah. that's not the box that they put you in. And so, and it's the same with our politics, right? I mean, that's how ACOS got started was people came up and yep. congratulated me on my president, assuming that because Barack Obama had the same, you know, skin tone that I did that, that we shared the same ideology and we do not. Yeah. So, you know, people like to pin you in, in, into a box and, and that's not how we roll. So, yeah. Not at all. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, definitely gang from God. I was in gang, a gang, like, uh, to going to being a, uh, like in a successful metal band isn't really, it's not a whole lot of those probably around. Um, but there's a lot of creative people that, um, unfortunately are kind of placed in these boxes, which they don't fit in. Uh, and that's it can be ideological as well, because, you know, to your point, you know, people think, well, a black guy must support Democrats. And it's like, nah, not not anymore. At least that that's not my thing. And hasn't been for for uh, over a decade. You know what I mean? And it's unfortunate because, you know, as you have these conversations with people that are in these different subcultures, if you do uh, get out there and express yourself and find your way to, you know, talking to these other people, you find that there's often people that think like that as well but they're too like scared because of these sort of boxes that they've been kind of placed in uh and they won't speak out against uh things and i guess that's perhaps the most uh sad part uh, uh about it that you get people that know what's right but they're going along kind of with the uh with what's expected of them because they'd rather do that as opposed to get any backlash from having an alternate opinion that's right. That's right. Which comics and which writers influenced you as a young comic reader and who influences you now? Who has such a good question. I'll tell you this. I would say by way of characters, my first comic book character that I was kind of introduced to was Flash um, by my mother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, that was Wally was Flash during that time. But, you know, with a character as I was a kid that whose power was to just run really fast. And obviously me being the athletic sprinter that I was, that resonated with me that way. And I thought, Hey, it's the coolest thing. There's this guy whose sole power is to just run really fast. Um, and he's uh, able to do good with that. And, you know, as I, that got me into comics and I was, as an adult, I got and kind of lent lean towards more Batman related stuff. But, you know, I also came up when I was a kid, it was, a interesting time period because we saw what people deem as a lot of the definitive versions uh, outside of comics of these characters that happened to be a thing. And that was in the nineties, right? So you had Batman, the animated series, which people, but really old and new really look at like the, the definitive version of Batman, right? Such a great depiction of him, but also X-Men the animated series came out yeah. uh, during that same period of time as well as Spider-Man. So it's like you had these through that window, all of this material that was outside of the books um, of good material to like for people to digest. And I had on my show actually a couple of years back, I had the uh, Erica and Julia Leewald, who were the writers of X-Men, uh, writers and the showrunner of X-Men, the animated series. And we talked about this and, you know, how that aged so well. And they would talk about how they they refused to write down to the audience. It was more of, hey, this is going to this is the, the material is the material. And this is our, these are our depictions. And they never felt like they were trying to write down to. Yeah, it was on Fox Kids. But that's why 
you will get a, a whole new appreciation for that. If you watch it as an adult, you are going to remember it. It's going to be better than what you ever even remembered it because it was more, it was wrote just for a regular person. You know what I mean? It wasn't trying to write down specifically. So it was just all around good material. So, you know, between that, uh, you know, yeah, obviously reading the Claremont era of uh, like X-Men, Chris Claremont's era of X-Men, New Mutants and all that stuff is where a lot of us uh, point to uh, in terms of being able to be creative with your with your writing. But it's hard to be like all of the people that I would say wrote the stories that are more influential, be it like the Stalins uh, wrote or drew and to you know, all of the like different artists. We had like a, f- a lot of artists that have passed over this last year um, who were from like my era of yeah. stuff that I read, uh, which is unfortunate. But, you know, reading reading all that work, whether it be Stalin's uh, uh, cosmic uh, eras of, uh, of of work, it's, it's influential, but it's not a whole lot of people. Like, that's a sad thing that I feel. It's like, we don't have a lot in comics at least. Uh, you have people that cross over, but are from like this era right now that people can say, well, you know, that person's writing iconic material that people are going to cherish 50 years down the line. There's almost not that's nobody's telling those stories mm-hmm. um, for the most part from my era and, uh, and my age group, which is unfortunate. Uh, maybe that change is going into the to the future, but we got to get better at what it is that we're doing. And this is why I say don't there's no sense in hiring these. These people that are so consumed by their activism that they just can't is incapable. They're incapable of telling uh, any decent stories. Now, you are a passionate and articulate political voice. Why then do you seem so opposed to having ISOM reflect your political views? Is there no audience for a hero who quotes Ayn Rand and uh, battles the forces of big government? (laughs) Uh, there, there absolutely is. Ironically, back for example, uh, you speak about Ayn Rand. There's a character by the name of, um, of Anarchy in in DC Comics who's an objectivist, <laughs> like I like Ayn Rand. Uh, but to me, that's too easy, right? Like I, I need this to be fulfilling for myself. And yeah, I easily could have said, "Hey, I'm gonna get you know these characters, and they're gonna be influenced by Soul and Rothbard and Walter E. Williams, Doctor Walter E. Williams." Yes. Right? And that's an easy thing to do. I'd rather drop little nuggets of that stuff, um, mm-hmm. of, of like it, it peeking through. But more so, it's more about giving. I think there's universal truths, right? Of of, of right, wrong, what is just, what is unjust. Uh, that I think is going to be going to continue to be present in all of our comic books. There's absolutely a demand. I probably would make a killing if I did it still, but that's too easy. You know what I mean? That That's way too easy. I'd rather see what creative ways we can just tell just decent stories. Right. Um, but also looking at it, like what are my peers doing? Or, I mean, I don't know if I should even call them that my, my peers cause they're lousy, but what are they, <laughs> you know, like, and they're doing exactly that. And that's, putting their having their ish, like personal views be reflective in the book yeah. that's why donald trump was modok in in a in a uh in a marvel comic uh being yeah. as a villain this is why tanahiti coach had to have a red school basically 
iterating the, the views of Jordan Peterson. This is why yes. uh, that weird stuff happens because they can't, they have, they're incapable of like separating their personal politics and views from like characters. Now in their case, they didn't create those characters, right? When they do that stuff, they don't create the characters. Well, after these are completely new original characters. So I'd be more justified to do it anyway, but it's too easy. It's too easy. I like to have fun. Uh, and uh, I think this is something that people are going to be able to get out something out of. And yeah, there'll be a nugget. There'll be a, like people that know me for me. They'll be like, well, he for sure was influenced by this. It just won't be over the note, like really on the, on the nose with the material. And you mentioned just now, uh, Thomas Sowell, you've called him an inspiration yes. and your biggest influence. How so? Oh, well, he was the one that got me out of between him and Dr. Walter E. Williams out of like this sort of hive mind of thinking where you have a political or social view just because you were that's what they told you to have or what you expected to have. Definitely when you're black. I remember still being in this box when I was in college uh, of like wanting to know about, you know, I wouldn't listen to anybody unless they shared the same skin tone as me. And thank God I came across the likes of like a Thomas Sowell when I wanted to discover no more uh, economists as well as Dr. Walter E. Williams, because, you know, that 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 was a rabbit hole that sent me really economics. Everybody has like their way of uh, if they grew up a certain way, like what kind of prods you out of that. And for me, it was economics uh, and, you know, learning, reading like basic economics by. Uh, great Thomas Sowell, State Against, you know, here, seeing the State Against Blacks uh, by Walter E. Williams. And, uh, you know, those significantly changed my life, especially with how Sowell just is able to break things down for like common people to understand. No graphs, really, none of that. Just, hey, this is what it is. These are the facts. You know, take it in whatever way that you may. And for, for me, that was, um, it was very important to my growth. Uh, just as an individual. So, uh, you know, he's a huge inspiration in the sense that who knows what happens to me if 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 I discovered something else during that time period, of, you know, where you're, you're like a sponge, just trying to definitely young people in college, just trying to figure life out uh, and being able to read stuff and make sense of the world and its, and its economics was uh, so vital to my growth. And that's important because it just seems like college now, you know, is um, all about, again, just like with the comic books, it's just about espousing certain ideologies where to me, and I grew up in California, I'm in Texas now, but I was in California and I'm not too far from Berkeley. And that was like the birth of free speech. And yeah. now it's like, you can't have Ann Coulter on campus. You can't have Ben Shapiro on campus. You can't have an Alan West on, on campus. You know, you can't have any of these people. It's like, so what's going to happen? Are you going to get like intellectual cooties or something? I mean, it's like supposed to be, you're supposed to be exposed to other ideas, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, isn't that the whole purpose of going to college? Yeah, it's certainly changed. And it's really just a vehicle for um, the kind of academics to justify themselves in, the, in their existence, but also like kind of pump out little soldiers. Uh, I believe the public education system as it exists right now, as well as the higher pu uh, public education system and and like universities, that's exactly what it, what it does. You know what I mean? That's what to be. I mean, when you start to really get to the nitty gritty, it's almost like it was it was what it was designed uh, to certainly do. But, yeah, that's that's what they use to their advantage. Um, and this is why you have so many people come out thinking the way uh, that they think, because that's exactly what it is. And they're being taught by ideologues themselves. They're going to come out. 
uh, thinking that way. And because, you know, it's kind of we've led these sheep to slaughter because, you know, so many people have pushed people, obviously, because they look at it like, hey, you're going to better your life, yada, yada, to education, to like the the higher education and and, um, in university, even if they don't necessarily have to go to go, you know, say, do whatever career it is that they want to get in. But they're being taught by people that often like are completely opposite from like their parents. You know what I mean? And this is why, you know, you see that person. I say all the time, you know, definitely when all that nonsense took place in 2020, you know, people that was tossing them uh, bricks, you know, in the Starbucks. But you bet your bottom dollar. Some of them came from conservative parents. You know what I mean? These young like college days uh weirdos that just don't know how to act and control their emotions and this is why you also saw uh so many of those like definitely out there in portland or, or, or rather in oregon seattle when you see like some of the mug shots and you see uh that somebody a lot of them worked within the public education system you know what i mean that were out there marching and doing all that nonsense with they uh with the uh, your, your, your children so it's like you gotta watch it and uh it, it's not what what people let's say this university certainly isn't what people like to think that that it is this place where people just go learn and and figure out their careers like it, it's far more ugly than that these days it is it absolutely is i homeschooled my kids because i i would have been uh down at the school every single day what are you <laughs> telling my children what is it you know no that's not gonna happen yeah especially all this yeah the stuff that is in textbooks now and all the stuff that they're teaching these kids. I, I know I'd have been in people's faces and yeah. yeah. So it was good that we homeschooled and, 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 you know, to be honest, um, to your point about all the things that you're involved in, you know, and I'm just being real here. I mean, for our audience, you and I are chatting, but just the, the broader audience, you know, um, I am biracial, but there were so many things growing up uh, when I, was homeschooling our kids that, you know, I didn't see a lot of black families in robotics and my yeah. son loved robotics. You know, I didn't see a lot of black families get to do a lot of the things that we were able to do. Now we sacrificed an income to do it yeah. in California, in Silicon Valley. I wasn't easy, okay. but I'm just saying, you know, um, I still feel that our schools are separate and unequal and, and a lot of the things, because, you know, they're all in Democrat strongholds, yeah. right? And our kids are failing and I was not going to consign my children to a failing school system. And, you know, so we, we um, educated them. My son is in game design now, mm -hmm. uh, which is really another field where there aren't a lot of, yeah us folks yeah. Uh, you yeah. know but yeah. he's in game design he's 24 you know my daughter is a, a veterinary uh, a certified veterinary assistant my youngest is still kind of figuring out what he's going to do he's not quite 20 yet so you know but but you're right and just this this whole thing um when you send off your kids you don't know who's going to come back it's, it's, <laughs> it's a time for exploration but i don't know that i would be comfortable in this day and age um you know having my kids come back and and be uh you know uh proponents of chad and Chaz and occupy yeah. democrats and all that kind of craziness yeah that's the <laughs> scary part uh, about it all is that you know they're going and they're getting some just some really lousy information um from this like old kind of archaic uh model i mean i tell i was talking to my niece um this past uh week about exactly that like you know because she's about to be a senior or she is a senior 
Um, and I was talking to her about like college and, and all that and those aspirations there. And it's like, you know, if I to do what it is that I do, for example, and I was like, I've amassed a lot of wealth over the years. Like I didn't need to be there. Um, the degree didn't help me in, in any of that regards. Um, if it wasn't for my legs, uh, it, it, let me say this. If it wasn't for my legs and I knew what I knew right now, there's no way that I would go. I wouldn't even recommend <laughs> somebody like myself uh, would go, not just for the, uh, the the like bad information that you probably are going to get, you know, definitely if you're trying to get like a liberal arts degree, but just the, the whole all around culture is just, it's bad right now. It's very, very bad. Um, right now. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't want to subject myself uh, uh, certainly to that. And there's alternatives now. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't know of those. Like we, we talk about trade school on my channel all the time. Yes. Uh, and like people being able to utilize that to kind of figure out it's a lot cheaper. Um, and you, in some cases, you make a lot more money uh, uh, doing stuff like that as an option. Like that's not even presented as an option these days. Um, when I was, you know, I'm a relatively young guy and I, it wasn't that long ago when I was in college. And I remember like it would be like, hey, you got to go. You got to go to God. You got to go. And while, you know, whatever, I understand that it's like nothing else is presented as the alternative. You know what I mean? To that. It's like, well, you either do this or you're a loser. And that's unfortunate because, you know, all of these different trades that exist from plumbing, electrician, uh, whatever it is that you're doing, the trash man, these guys make a lot of money uh doing what it is they're doing and their jobs that aren't going anywhere and i wish that those were presented as an option to people as opposed to it's just college or bus that's absolutely right we were just talking about that with my youngest because he's interested in the trades mm. um my son the one that's a game designer he actually got his bs at uh the age of 20 but he went to a trade he went to a school that was specifically for game design yep. he didn't go to a traditional four-year college and so but he's got his degree my daughter went to a junior college and got her certification and she's working in her field amassing more money so that she can decide if she wants to go on to a higher degree or not or if she wants to stay as a certified vet tech. So yeah, but my youngest is talking about going into carpentry or plumbing or yes. electrical work. I mean, you're never, ever, ever going to not need true. your work on your car or whatever. It's, yeah. You know, it's not going to get higher than that. <laughs> mm -mm, mm -mm. Now uh, legendary writer, Chuck Dixon uh, said that he has completed a project for the Ripperverse. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Oh, uh, well, yeah, I haven't announced it quite yet. What oh. what that entails with him and I have obviously been uh, in, in talks uh, with, with a lot of stuff. Um, I would say tell everybody just hold on to your butts because uh, it, it we it, it's not just with uh, the, the person you named. It's just a lot of conversations that's happening. And that it was just a whole it was a new opportunity because when we started that the Ripperverse and we launched it and we got so many eyes of people that of like old legendary writers, uh, new newer guys that are trying to get in on it, artists and stuff. And that to me is the awesome part of this is that we're all offering an alternative to allow people to be as creative as they possibly can that had been a part of the old guard previously. And now they see this as an opportunity to get paid well and don't have to worry about the cancellation and all the other nonsense that may come with, um, uh, uh working with uh like a marvel or a dc you know to your point like chuck obviously was on the show we talked about that you know we talked about uh you know i, I pitched to him like hey what if i wanted you to do riververse stuff what will happen you know what i mean and uh he said you know my number you know what i mean and that's how all of this kind of started uh that, that communication started so it was awesome 
to be able to chat with him about kind of working with future uh, projects, uh, potentially with the Riververse. And uh, I'm excited. Let's just say that I am very excited for what's to come in, in 2023. That's pretty cool. Now, many of the of those who yell the loudest about the need for more black characters and creators have been your greatest critics. <laughs> One comic book Reddit page even bars users from mentioning Eric July. Uh, the uh, Ripperverse uh, or Isom. Why has there been such a, uh, a backlash when you are enjoying the sort of success that they should be celebrating? Yeah, uh, it's because I don't think like them. Uh, that's what uh, boils down to. They it can't control you. Yeah, yeah it, it, they, that's really what all this is. It's a guy that does not think like them. It invalidates all of this nonsense that they push. They claim like, oh, it's about blackity black, black, black. And I give, I gave them this character um, that happens to be black. We don't beat the audience over the head with that. He just happens to be that, and it's a brand new original character that was part of a $3.7 million project. Now, if I was a full-blown leftist and did that, yeah, we'd probably be working on season two uh, with of, of, of like Isom in a TV series. They would have thrown everything they could at me, uh, right? Uh, and But because I think in a way that I do, they looked at that as a threat. Because like when you look at like the tokenization, the race changes and all that other weird stuff, they say that that has to be done because, well, nobody would ever support an original uh, original character and yada, yada, yada. But then I come through, but I happen to not think like them and I present my project. Well, that becomes a problem. So this is a threat to their entire model that they've been relying on for a while. And it's a lot on the line because it proves a lot of their talking points to be bogus. So, yeah, my biggest detractors are often these racially obsessed weirdos. Um, and, yeah, like we're banned. From, you can't even talk about it uh, in, in the biggest comic book form in Reddit. And you can't discuss it without yourself getting banned by those mods. The industry does not like us. And I think that makes what we did even more impressive because we couldn't rely on the usual channels. Right. This was about as organic of a, of a, a movement could be. And that we just presented something people wanted. They went out there and bought it and they supported it. And we have tons of satis tens of thousands of satisfied customers. But yeah, we we had the chips were stacked against us. Uh, not just them. You saw the big comic book media. They were they refused to cover it. And the ones that did cover it wrote hit pieces. So uh, it's all about the fact that I'm not this full blown leftist appelling whatever narrative they expect of me. And I'm a person that is a uh, value liberty. And I just happen to have my own comic book company and we saw success. And that's a threat to a lot of their model. Cause they know if this catches on, they're done. They're certainly done. We presented the alternative and there's just going to be more people that come up with alternatives to what, what, what happens with the old guard. So because they just can't let go of that and they're so protective of it, they had to try to do everything they could to derail our efforts, but uh, it's just not working. It's not working. You're absolutely right. And they broke that system. It's their tokenism and wokeism that broke that system. Yep. Now you, and, and so you're right. And, and it's awesome because you can't say that, you know, you were propped up by any of that. You it's completely organic and only you and your team can celebrate that success. So, you know, hats off to you. Now, 
comics were reliably male and monochromatic uh, for a very long time. One can appreciate the need of the industry to diversify its roster of characters, but many of the characters uh, who used to do so, such as Nubia, Lady Thor, Miles Morales, are essentially female or ethnic derivatives of established heroes, uh, as, as we've talked about. Can comic books successfully diversify themselves without the use of what you call tokenized characters? Yes, and I'm a living and breathing example of exactly that. Uh, it takes work. Like, I think that people forget that you looked at those characters that you like mentioned, like uh, that have been around for decades before I was even alive, like Miles, uh, like whose Miles is a version of him, Peter Parker, Spider Man, yeah, yeah, a Wonder Woman. Like, these are characters that have been around forever, Superman. Uh, they've been around forever and you know it takes work they didn't they weren't spider-man wasn't spider-man in 1964 like as far as like him being the most iconic probably fictional character maybe of all time it's, it's got to be between uh in america's sense in the western sense it, it's got to be between him superman or batman and you know that stuff didn't happen overnight like these guys went through decades of, of growth to get to where it is that they're at where they've just become basically a part of the american culture it takes work good news is that with the, in the age of technology and social media it's sped up it can happen a lot faster than what it could before but they aren't utilizing that they they use just like use the tokenization as a justification to do all of their weird stuff because they don't want to do the work <laughs> right so for me it was like i'll start from scratch fine i'll give you ice some right off the rip and i'm just gonna pin the pad let's see what happens and people came out in support of it you know what i mean in a lot of cases they supported it more than what they support these characters that they claim to like i just did a a uh a video talking about miles morales and like his ultimate spider-man at third volume number there's number one issue sold like forty-two thousand copies we sold almost twenty thousand more copies than that i don't got nearly the resources that they have uh that they were throwing behind that character so it shows that it can be done it absolutely can be done they're just lazy and don't want to actually do the work and what I hate is that the very seldom time that they try to come up with some originality, they think that they are all the support. So when it fails, like just because you create an original black character doesn't mean people have to enjoy it. Right. Like it can suck, too. Like, you know, think about the all original like white characters that aren't any good that have come, come and gone over the years. There's thousands of them. You know what I mean? It happens. So it does take work. It takes creativity. And I think they lack efforts in both. Of, of those and that's why their efforts often often uh, fa fall flat whereas to something like i saw hit immediately because we were just we're just taking it to the essence i'm not trying to focus or hyperemphasize on the fact that nobody focuses on the fact that uh you know hyperemphasizes the fact that these other characters that we named are white why on earth would i do it with black characters and that's unfortunately what happens where they'll give you a black character but then they have to sit up here and talk about racism and blackness and all this other stuff and it's like well they don't do that with the other characters like why would they why do they do have to focus on that with this one so i'm just about giving people the character that they can love and he can resonate with people no matter what side of the uh like what race you are like there are white uh, hispanic or latin latin american whatever uh black people there's people from all over that like the character of Isom, and that's what it's about. And they just simply are incapable of creating that. And because they are, they like to think that there's something either wrong with the market or that it's impossible. And like I said, we're a living, breathing example that it absolutely is possible. 
That's that's so right. Now, the comic book industry is uh, currently abuzz with the upcoming uh, Batman Spawn crossover. So what would be your dream crossover for ISOM? That's that's tough. Um, yeah, I did see that. I, I did see that they are doing that. Um, you know, comic books have been known for like these kind of crossover events, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with Batman and all that kind of cool <laughs> stuff. I don't know that that I have a, a, a like a group of characters that I would want to um, like work with per se. I will say this. There are people that are known for other titles that that I would love to work with and do some stuff with for the Ripperverse, even if that's not like a direct crossover event. I talk about this kind of stuff with like Ethan Van Skyver and his uh, like, he, you know, he does Cyber Frog and on all of that stuff. He may or may not be working with the Ripperverse uh, going uh, into the future. I'm more thinking like that. You know, you got Todd McFarlane, who's the creator of Spawn, but, you know, he's also owns basically the toy market could we collaborate on like todd's toys uh with which i don't know if that's what they mcfall i think it's mcfallen toys now or something like that or whatever it is where he basically runs the industry could we work with isom and and the riververse characters that's more where i'm like interested in like crossing over with i think there's a lot of opportunities with these characters especially with the growth of stuff like you mentioned your son with game design i'm a huge gamer People know this, and I would love to cross. Does Isom get his own video game? Like that's my line of line of thinking, and I would love to have that character cross over into other mediums outside of uh, just the books. But we got a lot of work to do before we get there. Well, you know who to call. <laughs> so now, uh, if you're just joining us, our guest this segment has been Eric July. He is the creator of Isom for uh, the Ripperverse. Uh, how do we continue to follow you and your work online? You can keep up with me, of course, at Ripperverse.com if you want to keep up with the company itself. But my handle across multiple platforms, Eric D. July, uh, at Twitter if you want to follow us. But now, you know, people like, are, hey, how can I support you? Now that we have the Riververse, uh, we have my band. That's still a thing. If you want to support Backwards, you can go to BackwardsMusic.com. Of course, we will be working on some new music very uh, soon. Um, actually, we already are. Uh, so I know a lot of people are excited for that. But Riververse.com is my is, – is, is, I lived for this, right? This is something that was a lifelong dream that became a reality a lot sooner than what I initially thought. So if people want to – like keep up and follow the work and the good things that we're doing. Riververse.com is where we, we would love to have your eye, what we would love to have your eyes on. So if you go there, you can keep up with our latest campaigns. You can go to the store, you can get still get ice on one right now and future books that are to come. Um, because really most of my resources, that's, that's where they're going and growing the Riververse. That's so awesome. It was so great to have you as our guest today on African-American conservatives. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate you so much, and uh, let's do it again soon enough. Awesome. That would be awesome. That was so cool. You know that we're big fans of comics here. We've talked about them before. So I'm really interested to hear what DK has to say about it. Come on in, DK. Congratulations. That was awesome. That was fantastic. What I, did you think about that? You know, first of all, I'm such a big fan of Eric July in general. I watched so many of his videos have for years and I admire so many of his point of views and to be able to have him on our show is, is overwhelming. I'm very, very That's excited. That's pretty cool. And, and to have it turn out to be 
as great as the interview as it did, I'm really very excited by that. That's so awesome. Uh, just to see his success. And like you said, you know, for him to be banned, uh, his name be banned on Reddit or whatever, da, 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 you know, that that's kind of a common theme. Why are people so afraid of black people having their own independent thoughts? Why do we have to have this kind of group think? Why can't we think for ourselves? I have to tell you, some of the most creative people, some of the most, uh, intelligent people, uh, some of the smartest people I know are people who are not neurotypical. I mean, they, they think differently. They have a number of different gifts and talents. Um, they see the world differently. Uh, and, and I think that that makes our world better, not worse. Why is that such a detriment? Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not dissimilar from what we see happen in the world of politics when uh, a black person like Alan yeah. West or Herschel Walker, yeah. Larry Elder, for example, who's called the, the black face of white supremacy and so <laughs> forth, they, when they step forward, these men and women who represent a, a conservative point of view, as Eric like kind of does, he's more of a libertarian than a conservative, but he's definitely a right-leaning libertarian. And when they step forward to represent the right, there's just so much discrimination against them. And it's from people who claim to want to see Blacks advance, but they want us to advance in the lane that they set out for us. They want to see Black people become successful lawyers, for example. But if you're a lawyer who represents um, something that they don't believe in, they want to call you a traitor to your race. and. And it's just the same thing every July has went through. He um, doesn't seem to bother him as much. No. <laughs> and he's should... got 3.7 million reasons to laugh at oh in goodness. their faces. So, yeah, I hear Even you. Even before them, he has a habit of taking some of what he called haters and allowing them on, onto his show so they can express how, how much they hate him to his face, essentially. And he just really puts them in his place. He has one interview with a YouTuber called Jody. It was just brutal the way he... <laughs> he he's he's quite a guy. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I, as a matter of fact, I want to take a second to show the cover of Isom. And it's available at uh, Ripperverse.com, as he mentioned. It's a little bit expensive. It's like $35 right now, plus shipping, but... It's on high quality paper. It's not one of these cheap comic books that you still have to pay $6 for. It's like nearly 40 pages, high quality. I highly recommend it. The reviews of it have been fantastic. I can't wait to see where he goes with it. His other characters that are exciting. One is called Yaira, who's this blonde bombshell type who already has a big fan following. Um, I'm going to guess that maybe that's the project that they won't announce. Uh, a Yaro solo book that the great Chuck Dixon, who I grew up reading, of course. I read so many of his Batman books, his Robin books, seen his interviews. He's another, he's another guy we'd love to have on the show one day. I'm going to guess that Chuck Dixon is going to write a Yaro book, but I could be completely wrong. I have no inside source. So it's very interesting. Also wanted to talk about a, another book um, okay. that's a bit 
It's a bit more controversial than even Isom. It's something Eric July has mentioned on his uh, his YouTube channel, and other YouTubers have mentioned it. But I want I want to just underscore some of the points that they made, and maybe I can add a, a few points if I can get that on the screen. Says here, punish Punisher creator Mike Barron releases another racist comic book. So Mike Barron is a uh, he's best known for writing The Punisher, which is another guy who started out as a kind of a right wing hero because he's a, a vigilante. didn't didn't like criminals at all. Um, he's uh, he was he's the classic vigilante. He's he's not some guy who's going to capture you and and handcuff you if you are a mass murderer and wait for you to be the police and maybe a few issues down the road, you're released to mass murder another group of people. He He's the classic vigilante who grabs a gun and shoots you. And, and a lot of people hate that uh, from the beginning, but but that's what Mike Barona's best known for. Now he's starting his own book called um, Private Citizen, which is about a Cuban American, an ex Green Beret who lives in South Texas. He sees what happens on the border, the 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 really bad things that's associated with having thousands of people cross the border illegally every day, the the human traffickers, the the fentanyl or other drug pushers, mm -hmm. the the um the cartels, the gangs, and he decides to use his Green Parade, Green Parade training to do something about it. He goes after bad guys. He doesn't go after, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Mexican families who cross the border to try to get a, a decent job for once in their lives, you know, try to get a better life for themselves. He's going after really evil people, the kind of people that we've, we've spoken about on the show, you know, the, the, rape, the rapists, and so forth. These are the kind of people that the human, that the private citizen is going after. And this is the reaction we get from the left. This is from the Delhi Cools. It's uh, very, <laughs> very far left. Yeah, let me uh, let me predict what it. that's going to be. <laughs> and this is from uh, one of those pages where their writers can, um, well, well, you know, readers can uh, submit their own stuff. And it says here, there are just a few of the racial and national gangs that Punisher creator Mike Barron has demonized in his latest diatribe of racist propaganda and stochastic terrorism disguised as a funny book called The Private American. It is about a vigilante lone wolf wanted by the FBI. So that's a good thing already. <laughs> if you're not liked by the FBI nowadays, you're, 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 you definitely sound like a hero to me who wears a don't tread on me Gaston flag snake on his chest while he brutally murders migrant workers, which he does not. He doesn't murder migrant workers. He murders, he brutally murders. It's a very violent book. He brutally murders human traffickers, drug dealers, rapists, the kind of people I just mentioned, and families fleeing fascism. Okay, so definitely a, a, a deliberate mischaracterization of... Uh, American, uh, the private American. Captain oh, Bill. shocking! A, a, a left-leaning uh, publication would would mischaracterize. No, 
It's it's amazing to see it no. done to this extent. You know, they could at least be subtle. <laughs> they don't have to hit you. Over That's the head not their forte. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna move up a little bit just so to show the cover of the the comic book. It's right there. It's a little small. It's called the Private American. And I'm gonna go up a little bit more just to read the last couple of paragraphs. A little bit further. Okay, it says from the Charlottesville anti-Semitic, which they misspell anti-Semitic, I believe. From the... <laughs> so is that anti-Semitic just to misspell it? I don't know. No, I, I just noticed that because I have an editor who would kill me if I. Oh yeah, she's awful. Like, oh my god, well, man, she's it's brutal. terrible. From the Charlottesville anti-Semitic TikTok riot to Asian hate to the rise of vehicle attacks to the home evasion that left Nancy Pelosi's husband hospitalized. But I just like the private American only fanned the flames of political extremists that led to the January 6th insurrection and the death of there five DC police officers. I'm not even sure what this person is talking about. This well, is I was waiting of... for J6 to, to make it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They didn't disappoint. It led, it led to five DC police officers. Like this comic book is... Uh, emblematic of what led to five cops being killed. Yeah, somebody read a comic book and there was J6. <laughs> this is the kind of radicalization disguised as entertainment that will fit perfectly on a Klansman's bookshelf. Oh, come on. Between the Turner Diaries and Mein Kampf. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's enough. <laughs> oh, man. Boy. Okay. It sounds silly, but this it is does. what this is what this writer has to deal with. And, and because of this, they um they uh permanently suspended uh, because of this and other stuff like this, they permanently suspended him on Twitter. He can't do a crowd fund uh can't he can't do crowdfunding, which you know Eric July obviously has some yeah. success with. Yeah. They shadow ban them there, Indigo, Indiegogo, and uh, Kickstarter. They don't seem to want any part with them, part of them. So it's just, it's just, uh, it's just what we're up against. If you're a conservative, even if you're a conservative comic book writer, this is the kind of discrimination you have to face. That's just so crazy. I mean, first of all, on a Klansman's bookshelf, I mean, do Klans people read? <laughs> and if they do, is it the books without pictures? I well, I, I, guess I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know the reading habits person, of Klans. The I the diaries and mine cough, so that's yeah, two. I guess that's so. Two <laughs> that's, there's two. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> At least the Cliff Note versions of uh, mine cough. There you go. Spark notes. Mine cough illustrated or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's pretty cool. What else do you want to talk about? That, that There's just so many things to unpack in that interview. Oh, it's, it's just so much. He's, uh, he and I are so simpatico in, in our views that so many things I could say that just sound like something he said already. But he's, We're going to have to add him to our comic book chat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to add him. That'd be, be fun. An honor. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Can you imagine? Because, I mean, you know, when you and our other friend uh, get on a roll, I can see, like, you know, 59 text messages in, like, you know, a few minutes. So I can only imagine the conversations you guys would be having, the fanboys. Yeah, it would be two against one, though, because Eric July uh, 
Eric July and, and myself agree on so many things, it would just be we'd just be ganging up on your friends. So, well, that's true. <laughs> he has a little different perspective. Yeah, a little, a little bit. Little bit. <laughs> well, that was a great episode of African American Conservatives. So, I think on that note, we will wrap. Unless you have anything else that you wanted to talk about today. No, not right now. Okay. So there you have it. This is Marie signing off. This is DK. And we ask you to go to anchor.fm forward slash A-A-C-O-N-S. And you can find our podcast there or at brightnews.com. Until next time, this is African-American conservatives, the soul of the conservative movement.